President Barack Obama has endorsed Joe Biden for president. The endorsement comes after Bernie Sanders dropped out, Tulsi Gabbard became mathematically impossible, and a potted plant with a sign hung on it saying, vote for me, was run over by an out-of-control forklift. In a speech made in an irritating, self-satisfied voice that was almost impossible to tolerate, Obama said, quote, I am pleased and proud to have no choice but to endorse the last person left in the race. Picking Joe Biden as my vice president was the best decision I ever made, which already isn't saying much since I'm the guy who decided to give Iran $150 billion and a nuclear bomb. All the same, picking Joe was better than my decision to have Rocky Road ice cream served for dessert at the White House on Thursdays. Although, come to think of it, that was pretty tasty, so maybe picking Joe was my second best decision, unquote. Obama may have gone on to praise Biden's character, but after a while, that voice of his just sounded so much like an alien rhinoceros apologizing to Arabian tyrants for our traditions and history that most Americans zoned out and aren't entirely sure what all the guy said. When it again became possible to listen to that ceaselessly depressing drone, Obama told the nation, quote, with Joe Biden, we will turn away from a divisive politics of self-dealing and misinformation toward a divisive politics of incompetence and abject stupidity. And that's why I feel honored to be forced to finally break down and confess that this is what we're stuck with, unquote. Bernie, Bernie Sanders also endorsed Biden saying, quote, here at last is a man so politically inept, I should be able to squeeze concessions out of him until he sounds like Stalin, only senile. Meanwhile, polls continue to show that Biden would win an election against Trump if it were held today. And today we're a flashback from a particularly bad acid trip we took in 1967. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. One of the perennial themes of this show is the news media's attempt to shroud conservatives in an atmosphere of scandal and hysteria. It really works. It doesn't matter if you debunk each story, the atmosphere that they create still hangs over them. We just got a particularly blunt demonstration of how that works, namely the difference in the way the media covered the unsupported charge of sexual malfeasance against Brett, Brett Kavanaugh, a man with a sterling personal reputation, and the way they're not covering an uglier and more detailed charge against Joe Biden, a man with a reputation for groping, sniffing, and invading the personal space of individuals of the female persuasion, especially little girls. One story, Kavanaugh's, was covered in an atmosphere of panic that caused journalistic women to mistake their own personal memories for proof of guilt about Kavanaugh. The other story has literally not been covered at all by the networks, as in not at all, as in zero amount. While the New York Times, a former newspaper, and the Washington Post, where democracy dies in elite self-satisfaction and ideological corruption, have tossed the Biden story into the dustbin of history like it was one of Harvey Weinstein's starlets. With that as an example, it's good to remember that it's up to us to consume the news in such a way that we're aware that every single story is designed, written, and engineered with the same intention in mind. For instance, in reality, Trump's presidency has been scandal-free. 
It's been the opposite of Obama's. Obama's was called scandal-free while it was rife with scandal. Trump's has been called scandalous while it was actually scandal-free. There's not been a single scandal in this administration that involves the president himself. He hasn't been caught doing anything illegal. He hasn't damaged the Constitution. He hasn't done an end run around the law. You could almost say he was exactly what Obama wasn't. What's more, in the current crisis, we don't have a full picture yet, but it seems that Trump is doing a good job. He acted quickly, he listened to his experts, he exuded hope and confidence in the darkest hours, and is now moving to get the economy moving again. I won't say there have been no mistakes, because that would make it the first crisis in human history of that description. But I suspect when we look back honestly, we'll see the president handled an unprecedented situation in a straightforward and competent manner with his team. Everything else, everything else is noise and fog. And so we have to work constantly to see through it and make sure other people can see through it, too. Andrew Breitbart used to tell people that they were now citizen journalists. Their phones and their cameras had to report the stories the media refused to tell. And that is absolutely true. But it's also true that with the professional news media absconding from every responsibility except for socialism, our minds have to clear away the lies and our mouths have to tell the truth fearlessly so our nation is not buried under six feet of left-wing illusions. All right, we're going to talk more about all of this, and especially about uh, Barack Obama and his endorsement of Joe Biden, which I think should be worth at least a laugh. But first, let's talk about Bambi. When you're running a business, HR issues, they can kill you, especially in cases of wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. They're all different in every state. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business HR. HR manager salaries aren't cheap. They're an average of $70,000 a year. But you, with Bambi, can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. That's a lot less. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day all for just $99 a month. Month Month-to-month, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend all your time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash Clavin right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Clavin. B-A-M to the B-E-E dot com slash K-L-A to the V-A-N. There are no E's in Clavin. We have the mailbag coming up, so all your problems will be solved. That's so true. It is so true. You will sound just like that. Here's an example of what I'm talking about, the way things were covered. Donald Trump announced that he was defunding the World Health Organization, or as I call it, Doctor Who, because I think this guy, Tedros, is Doctor No from the old James Bond movie. Here is Trump making the announcement. Today, I'm instructing my administration to halt funding of the World Health Organization while a review is conducted to assess the World Health Organization's role in severely mismanaging and covering up the spread of the coronavirus. Everybody knows what's going on there. American taxpayers provide between $400 million and $500 million per year to the WHO. In contrast, China contributes roughly $40 million a year and even less. As the organization's leading sponsor, the United States has a duty to insist on full accountability. One of the most dangerous 
and costly decisions from the WHO was its disastrous decision to oppose travel restrictions from China and other nations. So let's, let's just read how the New York Times covered this, all right? The New York Times, a former newspaper that keeps telling us, no, 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 we play it right down the middle. We play, we play it straight. And I've been going after them all this week because they're so corrupt and they're powerful. Criticize, this is their headline, criticized for pandemic response, Trump sh- tries shifting blame to the WHO. That's their headline. The president said he would halt funding for the organization because it caused so much death in the way it, quote, pushed Chinese misinformation, though he himself effusively praised China's handling of the virus. This is the story. Recent polls show that more Americans disapprove of Mr. Trump's handling of the virus than approve. So on Tuesday, the president tried to shift the blame elsewhere. That is the way they reported this story. Now, meanwhile, the Associated uh, Press reported late Tuesday night that leaked international docu- internal documents from China uh, show that the president of China knew that the situation was dire and that the risk of transmission and spread was high by January 14th at the latest, the same day that the WHO downplayed the outbreak. The same day, the WHO tweeted, preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission of the coronavirus. This is meanwhile, the Chinese president, he knew. He knew. So that, you know, this is the New York Times. This is the way anything Trump says, any word that comes out of his mouth, of course, of course he should defund the WHO. They should learn that they cannot mess with us. They can't represent China. They've got to represent the good of the entire world. So now I got to, I have to deal with his Obama endorsement because it really, it's really worth looking at really closely. It's every time the guy speaks, I got to say it's, it's depressing because it just brings back that eight year atmosphere of, oh, America is to blame. America has been arrogant. We're so sorry, Iran, for the way America has treated you. Every time I hear his voice, I just think like, why why do I feel so depressed? Oh, yeah, it's because that thing is grinding in my ear like a screwdriver stuck into my brain. Anyway, now the the Democrats are united behind Joe Biden, right? uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren endorsed him this morning, I think. Uh, And Bernie, of course, um, has endorsed him. But Barack Obama, this is the big one. And it is hilarious. I mean, he waited until it was just impossible to do anything else. I was still thinking like maybe his wife would run or maybe like they would run a robot or maybe Come they on. would just uh, <laughs> Come on, maybe man. they would just put a mask on somebody else because really Biden is no more able to handle the presidency than he is to walk around in a get out of a corner if he bumps into one. But that's the thing. We're no longer talking about Joe Biden. We're talking about a man who is going to be the container, the normal looking container for the left wing's toxic leftism, their toxic socialism, the way they have been moved so far to the left. And that is what Obama is telling you. Obama is telling you that even he, as far left as he took the country, even he was not left enough. But now we have moved even further. This is cut one. If I were running today, I wouldn't run the same race or have the same platform as I did in 2008. The world is different. There's too much unfinished business for us to just look backwards. We have to look to the future. Bernie understands that, and Joe understands that. It's one of the reasons that Joe already has what is the most progressive platform of any major party nominee in history. Because even before the pandemic, turned the world upside down. It was already clear that we needed real structural change. 
The vast inequalities created by the new economy are easier to see now, but they existed long before this pandemic hit. He was only a good vice president because he understood how to kiss Barack Obama's <laughs> so, so here's what he's telling you. He's telling you that Obama, uh, Obama, Biden won because everybody backed the image of Joe Biden, the centrist. Everybody backed the image of Joe Biden, the old fashioned uh, liberal from the old days, white haired Uncle Joe. We all know him. We love him. As long as you don't get too close to him, ladies, he's he's a great guy. All right. That's why we what we sold him to. But we don't want to lose the Bernie people. So don't worry, because in that Russian doll. When you open up the top of that Russian doll, Bernie is inside. You pull off the Biden head, but Bernie is inside. That's what he's telling you. And be, and they have to say this because progressivism is progressive. That's why they call it that. It is like emphysema. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And it's not, the opposite of that is not a conservatism of stasis. It's not a conservatism that fights change. It's Burkean conservatism that changes for the times in keeping with our values, our old values, and our old laws. In other words, it uses the Constitution to change for the times instead of getting rid of the Constitution, which is what they want to do. Now, listen to this. This is cut number three as he tells us what Joe is going to bring for us. Right now, we need Americans of goodwill to unite in a great awakening against a politics that too often has been characterized by corruption, carelessness, self-dealing, disinformation, ignorance, and just plain meanness. Yeah, we're so mean. We, we Republicans, you're mean. You're mean, you Republicans. You won't give us everything. Now, remember when Donald Trump said America first? The news media went nuts saying, well, America first, that was a pro-Hitler movement you know, uh, featuring Charles Lindbergh that didn't want to go to war with the Nazis because they were actually sympathetic with Lindbergh. So they said, keep America first, keep America out of the European wars. So when Donald Trump said America first, he must be a Nazi. Well, the Great Awakening was a religious movement. That's funny. I was on uh, the Dan and Amy show in, on Chicago radio this morning, and Dan was saying this. The Great Awakening was a religious movement. And so what Obama is saying is our religion is no more, longer Jesus Christ. It's no longer God. Our religion is now politics. Our religion is now leftism. So that's what he's saying. I mean, we can't say, you know, if, if Trump can't use the words America first without being connected to the Nazis, Obama can't use the words Great Awakening without making it a religious reference. He is saying, this is a religious movement. This is how you're going to fix it. You're not going to fix things by taking responsibility for yourself. You're not going to fix things by presenting your sins to God. You're not going to uh, fix things by having faith and moving forward. No, you're going to fix things by us giving you other people's money, taking other people's money and giving it to you. That is how you are now going to become the, the full being that you can become. You know, Cuomo said the other day, he said something like, uh, you know, the the number of virus cases have, hasn't gone down because of God. It's gone down because of what we did. And the difference between God and a Democrat is that God doesn't think he's a Democrat. All right. But now he says this. Now we go. This is this one I love. This is uh, cut number four of Barack Obama. I know he'll surround himself with good people, experts, scientists, military officials who actually know how to run the government and care about doing a good job running the government. So Trump isn't surrounded by experts who know and care how to run the government. I, but that's not the point. The point is, he's telling you, don't worry. 
Don't worry, Joe is just a hologram. We're talking about Jolagram. This is a Jolagram Biden. Jolagram Biden is going to sit there and be a three-dimensional figure, but he's not running the country. The experts are running the country. Now, remember how the experts ran the country. It's the experts who brought us the Iran deal, because if we just were nice to Iran, they were going to become part of the community of nations, right? It was the experts who brought us 1% growth by saddling our economy with Obamacare and all the other stupid stuff, the regulations and everything they did, so that they had to keep telling us what a great economy it was while we were looking at our dinner tables and saying, not, it's not. Well, I can look, I'm looking at my dinner table. I can see that I don't have food on the table. I can see I don't have a job. I can see I'm addicted to Oxycontin. I can see my neighbors are dying of despair. They're dying of addiction. I don't care what you're telling me. As Donald Trump said, when he looked out at one of his massive rallies, he said, if, uh, if unemployment was what they said it was, this room wouldn't be filled. And that was exactly right. This this idea, I mean, Obama used to say this. He would say, I wish I could lock myself in a room with the experts and solve the problem. But it's in this moment that we see that we see that the experts don't solve the problem. I, I have been very respectful of Dr. Fauci. I think he actually does a good job. And I actually think he says things that are true that get reported as if they weren't true. But he ain't running the country. He doesn't make the decisions. Uh, Trump has got to listen to him. He's got to listen to his economic advisors. He's got to listen to his critics. He's got to listen to his friends. Yesterday, he uh, introduced a, a committee, an advisory board, to talk about reopening the country. And he read off this long, long list of all the businessmen. There were people who liked him, people who didn't like him. There were critics. He's the guy who's got to make the decisions. As, as uh, uh, George W. Bush said, I, he's the decider. He is the guy who makes the decisions. So all these experts, all these things, they're telling us that we don't really need Joe Biden. We just need Jolagram Biden. We just need make-believe Joe Biden because we can all see what he is. We can all see the guy isn't there anymore. That's, that is absurd. But it is in keeping with Obama's idea that the people have got to get out of the way. This democracy thing has got to stop. This idea that individuals can make their own decisions, that's not the way it, 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 it is. We all should be living the life of Julia, which is now impossible to find on the internet. But it was that video that Obama made in which he showed you how each step of your life was going to be cared for, cushioned, and controlled by the government, and oh, how happy you would be. Noam Chomsky, I don't know if you know Noam Chomsky. He is one of the true left-wing lunatics. Here's what he said about the Bernie Sanders campaign, cut five. It's common to say now that the Sanders campaign failed. I think that's a mistake. I think it was an extraordinary success, completely shifted the uh, arena of debate and discussion. Uh, issues that were unthinkable uh, a couple of years ago are now right in the middle of attention. Uh, the, uh, the the worst crime he committed in the eyes of the establishment is not the policies proposing. It's the fact that he was able to uh, inspire popular movements, which had already been developing, uh, Occupy, Black Lives Matter, many others, and turn them into an activist movement, which doesn't just show up every couple of years to push a lever and then go home, but applies constant pressure, constant activism, and so on. That could affect a Biden administration. It certainly will affect it, and that's what they're telling you. That's what Obama is selling you. He's selling you leftism in the package of sleepy Joe Biden. All right. 
Let's take a look. Oh, you know, if you thought if you thought rockauto.com was fun to say before, and if you thought rockauto.com was a good service, well, right now, rockauto.com is a godsend. It is really even better than it was before, because if you need a car part, what do you not want to do? The first thing you do not want to do is go to the car parts store and wait online with the other car part people if the car parts store is even open. But rockauto.com is open, and it's still just that much fun to say. RockAuto.com has a unique catalog that's remarkably easy to navigate. You can get anything you need for any car you needed. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Uh, RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They always offer the lowest prices possible. And if you happen to, uh, and, and they have an amazing selection, they really do. It's so go on their go online and test them out. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Clavin in their "How did you hear about us?" box so they know we sent you, and so they know how to spell Clavin. <laughs> it's almost as much fun as saying uh, RockAuto.com. All right, so the. The, the candidate that everybody is comparing Trump to uh, is Cuomo. Uh, and this is part of the same phenomenon we're talking about, that everything Trump does, no matter what he says, you know, it is just it's just amazing. Trump touts the malaria drug and he's giving people false hope. And it's terrible. Trump said the other day that more people would be taking the malaria drug if he hadn't recommended it because he's so demonized, so attacked. You know, I will tell you something. This is. You can almost take this to the bank. What happens in the next two or three months is going to decide the next election, because if the economy comes back, as I hope it will, and I think Trump hopes it will as well, obviously, if it comes back and if the numbers are not as bad as everybody said, because remember, we were talking about two million people, then Trump is going to be reelected because Trump did the job that I think any sane person would have done. He listened to, he made good decisions, he made fast decisions, listened to the experts, and now he's talking about opening things while everybody is being afraid. The dirty secret here, the dirty secret is that just as many people are going to be exposed to this virus in the long run as would have been exposed if we had just let it all happen at once. The difference, of course, is the medical care that won't be swamped, that won't be overwhelmed. And that was the whole point of what they were doing. It's not about the number numbers of dead. It's about how many get people get sick and about how much time is taken away from people. And of course, the most important thing is that I remain alive. This is, of course, the center of all public policy and of all, it should be the center of all your thoughts and actions and everything you do every day. Save the Claven. You should wake up thinking that. You should go to bed thinking, save the Claven. It doesn't matter. You know, obviously, if everyone else dies, they can all come back to life because they only exist in my imagination. But once I'm gone, that's it. We're all done. So the thing is, in the same way they have covered uh, Joe Biden, like, you know, Michelle Goldberg, who is like the most ferocious uh, at she's on the in knucklehead row, the op ed page of The New York Times, a former newspaper. Michelle Goldberg, during the Kavanaugh thing, was this expo- everything they say exposes everybody. Everybody's guilty. Though every man who ever lived is, you know, now she's got a headline. What to do with Tara Reid's allegation against Joe Biden? And suddenly all the flaws in Tara Reid's uh, discourse about Joe Biden, they all loom large where all the flaws in Christine Blasey Ford's uh, narrative about Kavanaugh, they just didn't exist. Those things didn't exist. The fact that nobody backed her up, none of that existed. So the w- same way they cover 
heard differently is the way they covered Obama for eight years as if he were the second coming and the way they're covering Cuomo, who really did make a lot of mistakes. I mean, it, it, it's really fascinating to me that let, let's take a look at the, how the media uh, this is cut number nine. Let's take a look about how the how the media has been playing Cuomo's handling of the virus. How would you contrast Cuomo and President Trump's handling of the crisis? Truth versus mendacity. Governor Cuomo um, out there day after day after day. Everything Trump isn't honest, direct, brave. Real leadership of the kind the president of the United States should have provided. Governor Cuomo is clearly living in a totally different reality the actual one than the president of the United States. Governor Cuomo has become a national leader. For a lot of people, Andrew Cuomo has become the leader of the Democratic Party. He is conveying incredible strength. You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that if I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you would sending soldiers off to war. This has been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. He's providing hope but not false hope. Governor Cuomo, no. I think, is, is, is one of the heroes on, on the front lines. With all of this adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? <laughs> that's, his, that's his brother, Chris, uh, interviewing, who took back everything he said, by the way. He took back all the whole thing about how he hated uh, working at CNN. I guess his fever cleared up. Uh, but but that was, that's from our friends at Media Research Center. So the unbridled Cuomo worship. This is a guy who I said is under a shadow in his home state. Uh, the Buffalo Billions thing is something that I've been, uh, you know, getting some information on. It clearly, clearly a dirty deal where he funneled a lot of money into Buffalo businesses to keep them from leaving the state because he was taxing people so, so much. So instead of lowering taxes on ordinary people, he took their money, gave it to businesses. Four people were indicted, including one of his closest associates. This is a guy who's under a shadow. That's why I, I believe that's why he's not running for even for vice president. I don't even think he would take the vice presidency because I think uh, people like me would come after him and ultimately that story would get out no matter how they tried to hide it. One guy, one guy in the midst of the Cuomo worship, one guy at CBS, I don't know how Tony DeCoupel is, I think that's how you pronounce it, Tony DeCoupel, I don't know how he fell out of the out of line with the rest of it, but he actually started asking the kind of questions they've been asking Trump. On March 2nd, you were on this program uh, and you uh, urged calm. There was one case at the time and zero fatalities. By the end of the month, there were a thousand, uh, uh, there were 60,000 cases and a thousand fatalities. But the closure of essential businesses didn't come until the 22nd of March, quite late in the scheme of things. Looking back, do you wish you had closed things down sooner? Do you have regrets and would that have lowered the death toll? Yeah, uh, I think it's the exact opposite factually. I don't think you'll find another state that moved faster than New York. The question is not whether you move swiftly. Just in, in your mind, I know this is heavy. This weighs heavily on your conscience. Do you wish, in retrospect, with hindsight being 2020, that you had closed things down sooner? Uh, former CDC director Tom Frieden said 80% reduction in fatalities if the closure had come just a week or two earlier. So I'm asking you for a bit of reflection. Yeah. Well, first of all, who knows if he's right or if he's wrong, right? Uh, Monday morning quarterbacking is a little uh, premature. Now, here's the funny thing. I agree with Cuomo on this. Monday morning quarterbacking is premature, but it hasn't stopped them from doing it again and again and again to Trump. And this is the New York Times front page every single day. He was late. He said this. He said that. We do not know. We do not know yet. Well, I mean, look, like I said, 
it's a it's an unprecedented event. It's an unprecedented crisis. If no mistakes were made, it would be the first time in history that that had happened. If no major mistakes were made, it would be the first time in history that that has happened. If FDR hadn't left our ships undefended at Pearl Harbor, uh, they wouldn't have had such a disaster. It's it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. You know, Holman Jenkins Jr., uh, the the guy I like uh, the the columnist I like at the Wall Street Journal made that point. Today, he had a, a really interesting column, which also makes the point that it's hard to compare different places. California has done very well. Nobody knows why. Nobody knows why. Gavin Newsom may have shut down thing, things quicker, but we don't have a subway system that everybody uses like New York. We're all in our cars. We're socially distanced anyway. So we just don't know why California has done amazingly well. And so far it has. Sweden is the other one. I kept talking about this, about how no one has really covered what's happened to Sweden because Sweden basically said, uh, you know, we're not going to shut down. But that's not really what they said. Holman Jenkins makes this, this point that Sweden is a high trust society. It's a very homogenous society that has an extensive welfare state and a competitive economy because they trust one another not to abuse the welfare state. Why? Because they're all named Sven. They're all the same person. They all look alike. They all talk alike. They, you know, they're just, everybody's the same guy. So nobody is going to distrust anybody to misuse the welfare state. We live in a country that is a big, sprawling, multi-ethnic, crazy world where, I mean, I think in Queens, uh, he says they speak something like 800 languages in the, in the borough, New York borough of Queens. We don't trust each other that much. We shouldn't trust each other that much because we don't know each other as well as they do in Sweden. So they did something different. They said, you know, we trust you to take care of yourselves. We trust you, your businesses to act well. We trust you to social distance. They didn't have to have all the draconian laws. I mean, the laws have only gotten draconian where Democrats have gotten out of control. But still, still, they didn't have to have things like that. And in the end, in the end, their healthcare system is holding up better for those reasons. And so they didn't have to flatten the curve as much. So they're being honest. They're saying everybody's going to get it eventually. Let's get it over with. We're being, we're trying to flatten that curve, but still we're all going to be exposed to it, except of course for me, because I'm coming out last. That's the important thing because we have got to save the Clavin. All right. Raycon, you know, I test all our stuff, all the sponsors. I test them out or look through them or have somebody test them out if they're not the kind of thing that I would normally use. Raycon, I've been doing a a sheltering in place test because I've got them in different rooms. I've got my Raycon. Raycon are uh, 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 earbuds. They are wireless earbuds. And obviously, there's another earbud that everybody uses. I have those too. And because they're in different rooms, sometimes I've been using Raycon and sometimes I've been using the leading brand, we'll call them. Raycon is better. Raycon is better. I'm testing them. They are just better. They're more comfortable. You can change them. They're adaptable. If your ears have a funny shape like mine, my ears are, don't fit the normal uh, earbuds. They, they, you can adjust them. They have more, uh, they block out more sound. They're just clear, uh, clearer tone. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds are their best ones yet. Six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Clavin. That's buyraycon.com slash Clavin, B-U-Y, for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds by Raycon.com slash Clavin. And you can even tap them and they will tell you. How do you spell Clavin? <laughs> they won't tell you. You have to find out yourself. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Also, also, while you're thinking about saving the Clavin, do not forget you've got to be 
a subscriber. And so we're going to make it easy for you. If you become a Daily Wire Insider Plus or All Access member, we will not just send you one <laughs> of these marvelous leftist tears tumblers. No, sorry, Bob. We will send you two for the price of one. And, oh, you know, and if you guys who are already members feel a little jealous, we have a deal coming up for you as, as well. Obviously, Daily Wire members get all the great stuff, not just two of these babies, but you also get an ad-free website, all three hours of Ben Shapiro's show, uh, and access to the mailbag where all your problems will be solved. Become an Insider Plus or All Access member and double your tiers with two leftist tiers tumblers. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to get started and get 10% off with promo code Claven. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe coupon code Claven. How do you spell it? <laughs> How do you spell it? Hey. <laughs> Where are you guys when I need you? All right, come to dailywire.com, subscribe and get your two leftist tiers Tumblr mailbag coming up. Mailbag. Yeah. <laughs> this place, everybody, I think, is going just a little bit insane. All right. All right. From Amy, dearest Mr. Clavin, I'm 29 years old. I've been happily married since September. Congratulations. My husband and I are very excited to start a family. We'd like to have three or more children. After a recent trip to Thailand, we were advised to wait three months before trying to conceive, and that is coming to an end. Uh, we have a good situation. My husband is working. I can stay home. Um, I'm not asking your medic. Oh, we don't know if we should wait due to the pandemic or start trying uh, because I've heard that prenatal care and potentially delivery might be more difficult with the healthcare system overwhelmed. I'm not asking your medical opinion. I'm asking from a faith perspective. My husband and I are both Christians and believe that we are called to be fruitful and multiply. I somewhat have the feeling that saying no to trying to conceive uh, right now is me not trusting God to protect and provide for us. Am I completely crazy? P.S. Thank you for your show. You are a huge part of what brought me back to being a Christian and returning to church after not attending for 10 years. My husband has been a huge fan too ever since I introduced him to your show almost three years ago when we first started dating. That's really nice to hear. I really appreciate your letting me know that and that makes me feel uh, great. Um, no, you know, you're not, you're not being completely crazy, but, but no, God, God does not want you to do dangerous things just to show you, just to show that you trust him. That God is not a fairy godmother who, like, you jump out. You can jump out of an airplane uh, without a parachute, and he's going to waft you to earth. You, you know this, I think, in your heart of hearts. You know that this is not the way our trust in God manifests itself. Our trust in God manifests itself in the sense that we act in the knowledge that he's got our back even after death. And so we don't behave necessarily in our own best interests immediately. We act in our own best interests over an eternal uh, spectrum. All things. All things work for the good to those who love God, not each thing uh, working for the good. So no, God wants you to take care of yourself. He wants you to be careful. But I, you know what I would suggest you do is have a teleconference with a really good OBGYN and ask him or her, you know, what's the situation where you live? You know, I mean, it's different, obviously, if you live in Manhattan or if you live in Manhattan, Kansas, those are going to be two different scenarios. And she might say to you, hey, no, go ahead. You know, most of, you know, most of pregnancy treatment is just encouragement and making sure everything's okay. Uh, you, you know, people have been getting pregnant for a long time. It's the delivery. Nine months from now, I think you're going to be able to go and uh, deliver your baby. But I don't know. 
go ask an OBGYN. You know, God would want, wants you to take care of yourself and your baby, and is not asking you to trust in some kind of magic protection shield uh, that he supplies. So, you know, ask, ask a doctor. I mean, you can get a, I'm sure you can get a teleconference uh, consultation, and she will tell you what her best uh, idea is and give you a good sense of what you can do. Um, from Andrew, dear Andrew, save the Claven. I've been listening to you for the past few years and appreciate and identify with your perspective more often than those other knuckleheads <laughs> over there. Uh, you have an uncanny ability to see through the fog of confusion uh, created purposely by the media. Uh, do you believe it's possible that there are oligarchic influences in the media's um, distortion of the news? Uh, is, or is that just a conspiracy theory garbage? Do you think it's possibly the case? What do you think the general public can do about it when our media and journalists seem to be owned by those same oligarchic entities? I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think that that's the wrong way to look at it. I think it's self-interest manifesting itself and unfortunately a fever of elite uh, disdain and disrespect for the people. This is what happens in some, soci- in some societies at certain times. It doesn't happen all the time, right? It used to be, for, take Hollywood, a good example. It used to be that the people in Hollywood made movies for people that were not like them, right? Artists and eccentrics and Jewish people and people who were not like most of America made movies for most of America. It was in their business interests. It was how they conceived of their job to entertain the people. Today, they preach to America. They tell America, you're a bunch of idiots. Stephen Colbert comes on and says, half of you are idiots. I'm the one who knows best. I'm a comedian. If I were, you know, who are you going to trust? Your own ideas or the ideas of a comedian? I'm a comedian. That makes me an expert in politics and human understanding. And so I'm going to tell you and every movie you go to is going to preach to you. And if there's a religious person in it, he's going to be uh, molesting children. And if there's a Republican, he's going to be corrupt. And I'm going to show you the world. That's the way Hollywood has changed. And that's, that has to do with there being a lot of money, the money coming from different countries instead of all coming from box office, the money coming from different sources. So that's, that's what you're seeing. What you're seeing with the news media is you're seeing people who are educated in a socialist system. They're surrounded by other people who are educated in so- socialist systems. They're employed by people uh, who run multinational corporations, huge corporations, which are helped by big business because big business quashes small business because they create so much regulation and red tape that small businesses can't get started. And when they do get started, they get killed. So what you're seeing is, is self-interest playing out more than conspiracy. Once that system is in place, you do have guys like George Soros who are sitting around rubbing their hands together saying, oh, if I put some money here, this will help that system go along. And that becomes kind of conspiratorial. But what you have to do is, listen, I've been beating this drum for as long as I can remember, but it doesn't make make a difference if Republicans and conservatives, especially if conservatives don't get into media, if they don't get into entertainment, if they don't get into the news, real news, not just opinion news, if they don't pay for the kinds of uh, reporters it takes to go in and get the story, we lose. That's the way it works. And those of us who are uh, ordinary people need to turn off certain, uh, you know, we need to not listen to NPR. We need to fight back. We need to make sure that that we're willing to uh, speak the truth, even if it gets us in trouble with our bosses and HR. We need to, we need all of us to be citizen journalists and all of us to be citizen heroes and make sure that this tide of leftism is pushed back and pushed back against because otherwise they win. It's that simple. Um, From Colin, dear Andrew Lord of the Multiverse, 
Uh, thank you for using my correct title. I just finished watching all of Another Kingdom and it was terrific. I wanted your opinion on whether or not Another Kingdom could be made in a, a video game. I was just having this conversation with the God King, uh, Jeremy Boring, who said he thought it would make a great video game. Uh, I think it would make a great video game. I think it would make a great TV show. You know, I'm so toxic that I think basically uh, it's going to have to wait till after I'm gone and my kids can rake in the big dough by selling it. Uh, but I think that uh, it would make a terrific video game, just the two worlds and the differences in the gameplay in the two worlds and the um, and the um, the ideas in it, I think, would really work well as a, a, a video game. I think it would also it would just make a great TV show. And whether that's going to happen or not, I can't say. Um from Clayton, dear destroyer of ease, teller of truths and priority number one in the COVID protection campaign. Absolutely. I have a dilemma concerning a job opportunity that would separate me from my family. I have a unique opportunity to work and make a lot of money in the field I love, which is engineering. But to do this, I would have to leave my family for weeks at a time. My significant other has a one-year-old that I've taken as my own son, and I hate that I'd have to leave them for weeks at a time. But I know that with the money I'd be making, it would help us reach our goals of owning a home and sending our son to a good school. Uh, it would not be permanent, but it would be a couple of years. And um, what I'm asking is, is it worth the sacrifice of time with my family for a more secure future? Or is the time spent raising my son literally priceless? Additionally, my significant other is very supportive of whatever I choose to do. And we have spoken at length about the options. Ha, uh, you're not going to like my answer to this, uh, but I got to tell you, why is she your significant other and not your wife? that you have just come into this kid's life. He's one, he's one years old. So within, uh, you know, two years, this lady had another relationship. That guy is out of the picture. Uh, and so this little boy, basically, uh, you, d you did say it was a son. Yes. The, this little boy basically has been through the trauma of being a fatherless child. And you're trying to make up for that. Why aren't you committing to that? Why aren't you marrying her and adopting the kid? Once you do that, I think that, no, you know, you can't leave a one-year-old alone for long, long periods of time without paying back for it in the long run. I know a lot of people who've done this. I've seen the results. Not good, as Donald Trump would say. You know, you can arrange that they can travel with you. You can find ways to mitigate the circumstance. So maybe you're only gone for a week and then you come back or maybe you uh, take your family with you. But if you are really committed, if this is really a family, that's the first thing. Make it a family. Make it a family. Adopt this kid. Marry this girl. Because you know, it just makes me doubtful that what your that your your question is sincere. I mean, it does. You know, it makes me feel like, well, well, wait a minute. Why is this? You know, why is he like your son, not your son? Why is she your significant other, not your wife? And and where is she in all this? If you're a family, make it a family, and then act like it's a family, and put your son first. I mean, your son needs a father. Your son is already been traumatized by what by not having a father in his life. Uh, if you're going to fix that, fix it. That's your first job. If it's not your son, get out now. If it's not, if if that's not your priority, uh, leave. But you know there are ways. There might be ways you can take this job and make it not so bad on your family, but make it your family, and then uh, you, that'll help you think clearer too. All right. Um, from Adam. Uh, <laughs> Big fan. One thing I particularly love about your show is that I tend to disagree with you more than I disagree with the other Daily Wire hosts. That tells me that you've got thoughts and ideas that I hadn't already considered. That's, that's very smart. Uh, anyway, lately I find my, not just because it's nice to me, but it's also a smart way of thinking. Uh, anyway, lately I find myself regularly laughing at life and God because it all just seems so pointless. We're born, we suffer to some degree or another, we regret our failures and we die. I just can't seem to convince myself that this life 
um, has any meaning or value at all. So now it all seems funny in a cruel and sick sort of way. Even the love I feel for my wife and kids just seems like nothing. I do love them. Why does it matter? I'll still regret every failure. Every good deed will be forgotten and then I'll die. The same is true of my kids and everyone else. I'm not suicidal. I just can't find any motivation to care anymore. Any advice would be great. Uh, Okay, well, I see uh, three possibilities here. One possibility is that you mentioned failure twice in this and don't mention success at all. And that, that makes me think that you've maybe had a failure or you feel like a failure or something has gone wrong. Some, some dream you had has not worked out. And maybe that has to do with why you're feeling what you're feeling. In other words, what you're having is a feeling. You know, life is just as meaningful as it was before. Uh, you know, God is still, still exists. All those things are still true, but you have a feeling that those things are gone. So what caused that feeling? Why has that feeling come upon you? Uh, one guess is that it has to do with uh, your sense that you have not achieved the things that you want to achieve, and that's why it's all meaningless. You don't say, you know, my, my successes are meaningless. You say my good deeds are meaningless and my fail- I regret my failures. Everybody has failures. I mean, if you don't have failures, it, you know, you just haven't lived life. I mean, everybody has ups and downs. Uh, everybody has dreams that don't come true. Every single person has dreams that don't come true. Uh, and, and these are th- part of the things that you that teach you about life and help you to get the right priorities in life. Because if you trust to the things that go away, if you trust to the things that decay, if you trust to the things that are in other people's control instead of your own, you're ultimately going to be happy and you're going to wind up feeling like you're feeling. So that's the first thing. Find out why you feel the way you feel. The other thing is I wonder how old you are because there comes a point, uh, especially in men's lives where they have a midlife, they call it a midlife crisis. I had one. I didn't think it was a crisis at all. It was very restorative. But one day, literally, literally one day, it was like becoming a teenager. One day I woke up and suddenly the thing that I I had given my life to, I couldn't understand why I was doing it. I've been a fiction writer all my life. I suddenly thought, why, why, what is the point of this? I, I immediately identified it as a midlife phenomenon. And I immediately said, okay, fine. Let me, you know, reinvent myself. Let me find out new things. I did a couple of midlife things. I got a fancy sports car. I learned how to fly a plane. I did all these things that kind of made my midlife exciting and different and interesting and navigated my way back to meaning. And that's, that's what I did. So that may be something that's happening to you too. I don't know. The third thing is this. You talk about your love of family and you talk, then you say that you believe in God. What, why is that connection not working for you? I mean, is it a good family? Is it a family that nourishes you? Is it a family that you nourish? Do you uh, pay attention to God? Do you talk to God? Do you interchange with God? Do you find out what God wants for your life? Are these things that you are actually tending? Is this a garden that you're tending or you're just kind of leaving it out there and saying, yeah, I love my family, love God, whatever, and letting that uh, garden get filled with, filled with weeds and then wondering why there's no crop uh, to bring in. So those are three things that you might want to look at. But remember, the, the first one really covers all of them, is that this is a feeling you have. You have this feeling for a reason. Life is deeply, deeply meaningful. It is meaningful whether there's a God or not. It just has different meanings, whether there's a God or not. Life is a deeply meaningful, deeply important, deeply urgent thing. You should be living it. You have a feeling that that's not true. Find out where that feeling comes from, and that will solve your problem. I got to stop there. That's it. I'm out of time, but we will come back. Some of these questions I will hold over till next week, and then we'll also have new ones. So all your problems will be solved yet again. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show.
Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. A new study shows Americans are worried, but they're not worried primarily about the coronavirus. They're worried about something that poses a far more imminent risk to their lives and livelihoods. As the backlash against our national lockdowns begins to brew, the response from mayors and governors separates the politician wheat from the politician chaff. Then Joe Biden gets a major endorsement now that there's no other choice, and the New York Times goes into full damage control mode to cover for grab-happy Joe Biden. All that and more. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.